prologue, three years ago. The rural hatchery was supposed to be a warm, safe, peaceful place for eggs to rest quietly until it was time to hatch. It was not supposed to be a death trap that gave you the creeps. It's not a death trap, Coral would protest whenever Gil brought this up. Seeming princesses and princes have been hatching there for thousands of years. I hatched there, and it was safe and beautiful. It's part of our heritage. It's a seeming tradition. There's nothing wrong with the hatchery. The problem is our useless guards. They're doing their best, Gil objected. You can only expect so much of so so much of a dragon. I'm not expecting the three moons in a bowl, Coral growled. All they have to do is protect my eggs until until an heir hatches. Why is that so hard? Gil didn't know the answer to that. He didn't know why they'd lost six female eggs in the last five years. He didn't know how his other three daughters had died. Coral was sure there was an assassin in the palace, but Gil didn't understand who would want to kill so many little princesses. His heart ached as he swam through the deep palace, thinking about all the dragonettes they had lost. Coral was trying so hard to hatch an heir that she was having eggs every year now. The palaces were overflowing with all the sons who had survived the many hatchings. Seeming princes were everywhere, to the point where an entire wing of the deep palace had been set aside for them to live in. Gold tried hard to remember all their names and tell them apart. Coral didn't bother, but there were twenty-four of them already, plus three more waiting to hatch. He sometimes wished they didn't have the endless touch balance that indicated males versus female eggs. He wondered if they were making it easier for the assassin, separating the eggs so clearly in the hatchery. But then, he wondered if it didn't matter. Without a way of telling them apart, perhaps the assassin would just destroy all the eggs. His wings took him toward the hatchery, as they did all the time now, sometimes five times a day. So far, Coral's latest plan had been working. It wouldn't be much longer before the eggs hatched, safe and sound, and then they could be taken out of the royal hatchery, which would be a relief to Gil. Although, given what happened to the other princesses, he wasn't really sure they'd be safe anywhere. The new council chief of Dragonette Care was nervous but dedicated. Abalone had a deputy chief to help him, and together they rotated in and out of the hatchery, so someone was watching the two princess eggs at every moment. Abalone and Snapper were two of Gil's most loyal soldiers. He had talent picked them himself. And yet, and yet, he couldn't stop checking on them, just to make sure, just to be safe, just to be safe. He slid open the door and swam inside into the dark egg-shaped room. His wings flooded in the burst of warm water that bubbled through the hatchery, keeping it at the perfect temperature for the eggs. Abalone, he flashed an aquatic. It was very quiet. The marble statue of his daughter Orca loomed over the nest, watching over her future brothers and sisters. Gil wished the statue could protect them as fiercely as her face suggested. He wished Orca were still alive so she could protect them herself. But if she were alive, Coral would be dead. He shook his head. He would never understand why Orca challenged her mother for a throne at such a young age. If she, she had only waited, they could have had so many more years together as a family. Unless the assassin killed her, too. He shivered and swam further into the room. Abalone was slumped over the nest with two princess eggs in it, his wings covering them. Abalone? Gil hurried over, worried. Abalone never slumped. He hardly even ever sat down. He was always on full alert, always a model soldier. Gil shook his friend's shoulders. With a soft groan, Abalone sat up, and Gil realized that the council's chief was a strange white. And Gil realized that the council chief was a strange white color around his gills. His eyes were bloodshot, and there were flecks of foam rising from his scales.
I'm sorry, Abalone flashed with a phosphorescent scales under his wings. I've been waiting for someone to come, but I won't leave the eggs. I won't. They'll be safe, I promise. He reached to cover them with his wing again and staggered sideways. You're sick, said Gil, catching him before he could land on the eggs. You shouldn't be here. I'll go get help. Yes! No, Abalone flashed. Afraid I'll drift off. Everything's spinning. Can you make it to the healing room on your own? Gil asked. If I stay here to guard the eggs? Maybe, Abalone tried to paddle forward, shifting his wings. An instantly vomited tremor. An instantly violent tremor shook his whole body. He gasped and curled into a small ball on the smooth floor of the hatchery. All right, stay here, watch the eggs, and don't fall asleep. I'll grab someone and send for help. Gil swam to the door as fast as he could and powered up the ramp to the main floor of the palace. The little dragonettes, all about two-year-old, were wrestling in the entrance hall, kicking and squeaking gleefully. Three of his sons, Gil realized, the ones from two hatchings ago. There was only one female egg in that group, and didn't even make it halfway through the incubation, he remembered with a fresh stab of grief. He flashed his scales at full brightness to get their attention. They turned toward him, blinking, and he flashed. I need help. Who's going to help me? The princes glanced at one another nervously, and then one of them padded forward a bit. Me, he flashed. I'll do it, father. Good, said Gil. Thank you. He hesitated. Turtle, the dragonette flashed. I'm Turtle. I know, Gil answered, although he hadn't been sure. Turtle, this is very important. I need you to go to the snapper and send her to the royal hatchery. Tell her to hurry as fast as her wings can swim. Can you do that? Sure, Turtle nodded, his green eyes wide. I'm counting on you, Turtle, Gil said, touching his son's shoulder. It's really important. I know you can do this. I'll be waiting, all right? Yes, sir, Turtle answered, shivering a little. Go then, hurry. Turtle swam away toward the kitchens with what felt like agonizing slowness. Gil reminded himself that Turtle was a prince. He wouldn't fail. He'd find Snapper, Abalone's deputy chief who could watch the eggs until while Gil took Abalone to the healing room. Gil rushed back down to the hatchery. Abalone was still awake, crouched by the eggs with his front talons pinned across his chest. Gil realized with alarm that there was now a growth on Abalone's neck, a large round lump that hadn't been there a few moments ago. He touched it lightly and Abalone flinched away. It was blazing hot. Gil had no idea what kind of disease this was. Is it safe for him to be here? Could he infect the eggs? He needed to get Abalone out of the hatchery, for the safety of the eggs, but also because Abalone looked closer and closer to death every moment. Hurry up, turtle. They waited in painful silence. Was the growth getting bigger? Turtle, where are you? Come on, come on. The lump was expanding, little by little, pushing Abalone's silver-blue scales into a strange, jagged shapes. Looked as if it might explode any moment now. You'll be all right, Gil flashed at Abalone. Help is coming. Help didn't come. Time crept by, dragging its long, long tail. Nobody came. Abalone started making a low whimpering sound, ragged like claws scrambling up the inside of his throat. His gaze was fixed on the eggs, and he kept his wings tucked in close to him, rocking softly. Turtle, Gil thought with helpless fury. This was his own fault. What a useless command he'd given. He should have sent all three dragonets to find Snapper. No, he should have told them to find any other adult dragon or to summon one of the healers. Or he should have swum right to the healing chambers the moment he saw Abalone was ill. Now he could see there would have been time to make it to back, make it to there and back with a healer. But with each moment that passed, Abalone looked closer and closer to collapse. The truth was he should have done anything other than what he did. He'd made a terrible mistake. But where was Turtle? Couldn't he figure out a smarter option? If he couldn't find Snapper? Someone come, please. 
Please, somebody. Finally, it became unbearable. Abilene would die if he didn't reach a healer soon. and might already be too late. Gil couldn't wait any longer. Don't leave, Abilene flashed weakly as Gil moved toward the door. I can't let you die like this, Gil flashed back. Just stay awake until I get back. He hesitated in the doorway, worrying. Abilene was no match for an assassin in this condition, but Gil would only be gone a short time. It was truly uncanny, terrible luck for the assassin to show up during those few moments. He swam. He swam for Abalone's life and for his daughters. He burst through the palace like a typhoon, swooping up to the healing chambers. His sons were gone from the main hall. He saw no sign of Turtle or Snapper anywhere. Help! He flashed at full brightness as he reached the healing door. Dragons came pouring into the hall, curious, and a flurry of bubbling gas went up as he explained Abalone's condition to the healers. Three of them grabbed their kits and swam after him, back down, down, down to the royal hatchery. They found Abalone unconscious, his wings drifting in the current of jets. For a moment, Gil thought his neck had been slashed, but then realized the blood running down Abalone's scales came from the growth, which had burst. The healers hurried toward him, then stopped, turning heartbroken faces to Gil. No! Gil's scales flashed without him realizing it. No! No! The two eggs had been crushed, apparently by huge, heavy talons. The dragonettes inside were dead. Two more lost princesses. Gil roared, his pain and fury roared until his throat gave out, and then he whirled and swam away. He never wanted to see the royal hatchery again. Find my son Turtle, he snarled at one of the gawking dragons in the hallway. Upstairs, he saw a group of dragons approaching to the gardens. Queen Coral returning from the summer palace and were meeting with Blister. How could he tell her what had happened? What had happened again? But she saw on his face as he swam out the door toward her. She sank suddenly as if a boulder had been dropped on her touching down amid the coral and anemones. Her wings came forward and she covered her eyes with her talons. She didn't want to see him spell it out in aquatic. I'm sorry, he flashed anyways. I'm sorry. She didn't move, didn't look up. A movement caught Gil's eyes and he turned. Some distance away, there was Turtle, swimming slowly through the garden of the wounded, peering at each recuperating dragon's face. His brothers were behind him, joking and laughing and shoving one another back and forth. Gil tore across the garden and seized Turtle's wings and flung them around to face him. Where have you been? Gil roared. Turtle flinched and shouldered his eyes from the intensity of Gil's skills. I can't find her, he flashed nervously. I'm... I'm still looking. Out here? Gil waved his talons at the nearby empty section of the coral reef, where injured soldiers were taken to rest and recover, surrounded by color and beauty. And beauty. Gil wanted to rip the beauty to shreds. He wanted to tear apart the coral reef and kill all the creatures that lived on it. Well, I I couldn't find her in the palace, so I, I didn't know where to look. I'm trying. It's too late, Gil growled. Your new sisters are dead, and it's all your fault. Turtle blanched. But how? I didn't. You were too slow, Gil backed away, glaring at the other two princes, who were huddling out behind an outcropping to watch with wide eyes. I'm sorry, Turtle bowed his head, fiddling with a piece of coral in his claws. I I didn't know what Snapper looked like, and nobody knew where she was. You shouldn't volunteer for things you're incapable of doing, Gil said harshly. You shouldn't offer to help if you're going to be useless. I really tried, Turtle said, wringing his talons. I really, really did. I promise, Daddy. You failed, Gil stared down at him. He felt a small pang of guilt at the crushing despair on the dragonet's face, but his anger was too strong to hold back right now. I am very disappointed in you, he said. Maybe one day he would forgive Turtle. Maybe one day he'd be able to think clearly again. Even now, he knew deep down that blaming a two-year-old dragonette for his own mistakes was wrong. 
One day, when his grief has subsided, maybe he could find the words to tell his son that. But not today. Gull turned away from Turtle's stricken face and swam back to Coral. She was watching him with vacant, sad eyes. What did he do? she asked dimly. I sent him for help, and instead he flapped around looking in all the wrong places and goofing off. He's only a prince, she said. What can you expect? She reached out and seized one of Gil's hands. The next one is going to live, Gil. Oh, Coral, he said. Maybe we shouldn't. I'll stay with her this time, Coral said fiercely. No one else can do it except me. I was right about our competent guards. It wasn't Abalone's fault, Gil protested. Doesn't matter, she said, flicking a claw at the palace. I sent a word to have him and Snapper both executed. Coral! Gil cried appalled. He tried to pull away, but she gripped his talons even tighter. I'm going to keep our next daughter alive, Coral said. I'm, I'll stay in the hatchery with my eggs to keep it safe, but I need you to run the kingdom for me. I'll do anything, he promised sadly. He couldn't argue with her in this state, not right now. I'll keep her by my side at all times, her whole life if I have to. Coral's eyes glowed, reflecting her scales as she spoke. I'll never leave her alone. She's going to be perfect, Gil, you see. She glanced down at the spot where she had landed, at the enormous anemone waving long pinkish-blue tendrils over, the over her claws. And we're going to name her Anemone.